since tomorrow is Veterans Day, you know, I want to start out saying thank you to all of them because, you know, what they do and what many have sacrificed, including their own lives and limbs, for our freedom, whether it's appreciated by all people or not in this country, we still need to thank them because what did Jesus say? There's no greater love than he that laid down his life for his friends. Being tomorrow is Veterans Day, I do want to say thank you very much, and we will continue to pray for all the veterans of this country and those who are serving around the world. Today's message is titled, Do You Have a Servant's Heart? Now, serving God and serving others is something that goes against our natural desire for popularity, influence, and prominence. Our corrupt flesh, it just wants to oblige itself. And it will assist others, but only if it gains something for it or because of it. You know, I'll hear people quite often saying, you know, I do this and I do that and I help so-and-so do this and that. And, you know, I wonder, are you doing that because you want people to hear you? Or are you doing it because you want Christ to be glorified because of it? And our flesh has the inclination to help others if it brings us the reward or the limelight. Not because we want to lift them up and push us down. We want all of the accolades for ourselves, and that's the problem. But what did our Savior tell us in Matthew 6, 3 and 4? He said, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now it's very tough for us to become servants when all we want is for our flesh to be served. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Serve the Lord God with all that you have without expectation. Serve with only love for Him. You know, we have to have the heart of Christ because we have been redeemed. To serve as He served and to love as He loves. Please turn to uh, John 13. John 13, 1 through 17. John 13, 1 through 17 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands 
and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, you're washing my feet? Now how many of us in church here today would at the spur of the moment rise up and wash each other's feet? How many of you would do it with a pure heart, doing something without gain for yourself? Would you do it to be viewed as some great religious person? You know, what if I asked everybody in here to do it? Now, some of you are thinking right now, I hope he's not serious. I don't want to wash anybody's feet. I'll be honest, and he might think that. If that's the case, then where is your heart? Jesus Christ set the example that we are to follow. The God of all creation, the Messiah, the King of Kings, humbly washed the feet of his disciples. And most of us wouldn't even wash our own family's feet, let alone our brothers and sisters in Christ. To have a servant's heart for Christ, you have to imitate him. When people look at us, they should see Jesus, not us. Now in verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. That is a powerful statement. And of course, then it clicked with Simon, Peter. He said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. How humble should we feel and be right now? In the Old Testament, Joseph is a great example of the blessings that can come when you have a heart of God and serve him wholly in every aspect and circumstance in your life. In Genesis 39, 2-4, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him seer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. This is all after his brothers had sold him into slavery. But then after Potiphar's wife made her advances and then framed Joseph, and Joseph fled, verse 20 says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison 
Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Then, after Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, he was given charge over all of Egypt. Genesis 41, 37, 38 says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Genesis 45, 16 through 20 says, Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So please Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. In every condition and test that Joseph encountered, he stayed faithful and served God with all of his ability. He didn't waver. He trusted God no matter what situation he was going through. How many people can do that when you're thrown in prison for something that you did not do? Or that your brothers threw you in a well and left you there and then sold you into slavery? God rewarded and prospered him for it. And not only Joseph... But through Joseph's compliance, patience, and faithfulness that he had in God, Egypt, his father Israel, and all of his family prospered by it as well. They were all saved because of Joseph's faith in God. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ sacrificed himself for everyone. Everyone, past present, and future. And we're not meant to understand the full weight of salvation. We can't even begin to grab, this, grab a hold to the depths of the meaning of that cross. We're just to receive it freely as a gift of God. But after we do that, then we must serve and follow Jesus. John 12, 26 says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. You do good works out of obedience to Christ. To please God the Father, not for your own puffing up and personal incentive. Work for God with a servant's heart and you will be lifted up by Jesus. Matthew 25, 21 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. How many of us want to hear that? Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. How many of you walked away from? I've walked away from plenty that I can remember. How many times have you known in your spirit you were supposed to do something or say something to somebody, but you didn't do it? Matthew 10, 42 says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by 
No means loses reward. Now, have you learned from it, or will we keep continuing to turn our backs on the good works that God has laid before us to walk in? Philippians 2, 4 through 8 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then we get upset when we have to drop something for somebody to do something. How inconvenienced we are. Let me read a few verses about being a servant that seems to bother a few folks. Ephesians 5, 20-28 Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There's that dreaded submit word again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now I know that I fall short, way short with my wife. I do. You know, but my love for her and knowing that she's a gift from God compels me to do my best to be Christ-like for her. To be the husband that Jesus says we are supposed to be. You know, I fail often, you know, and I only succeed if I serve her through the eyes and the model of Jesus Christ. You know, I fail Christ, her, and myself when my works for her are self-seeking. You know, with your spouse or anyone for that matter, the key to being a servant the way that God intended is to put their needs first. That goes for all of us, wives, husbands, brothers, sisters. It, it doesn't matter. Open and unselfish. Striving to find out what their needs are and doing your best to fulfill them without them having to ask for it. But do it without expecting something in return. Christ is our example, and that is the goal that we strive for, to be like him. Wife, if your husband wants or needs something, give it to him. Husband, if your wife wants something or needs something, give it to her. Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. You know, if you're mad at them or they're mad at you, serve them anyway. But we've got to do it without malice or sin. It doesn't matter if they've been on you all day and you're mad. If they need something, do it. Because that's what Jesus would have done. And that's the example that he set. That he was on his knees, washing his disciples' feet. You have to do it. Because you've got to remember, your love for them lasts a lot longer than what you're angry at them about. Or upset with them about. You know, if your husband, wife, parent, sibling, or children need something that will benefit them, 
Do it without hesitation, without grumbling, without strife, without the appearance that it's a burden. I know we've all done that. <sighs> Do it because you love them. Every day that we have with them is a blessing from God. We've got to make the most of it. And we don't do it for them anyway. And we don't do it for us. We do it for Jesus Christ. All that we do, we do for the Lord. And when we can drill that into our minds, that we're doing everything for Jesus, servitude is easier. Acts 20.35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, this past summer I helped my dad build a shelter out at his place. And my dad has this knack for wanting to do projects at the hottest day of the year. One year it was a swimming pool. Last year it was a shelter. And it's not near 100 degrees, he doesn't want to build it. He'll get a kick out of that because he'll, he'll listen to this. But I digress. The, the shelter we built, it's rainproof, it's got a rubber roof, it has electricity. You know, it's by no means a Taj Mahal, but, you know, it's a shelter and it serves its purpose. And it's a nice shelter nonetheless. My dad did not need my help building it, but I wanted to help him. You know, just as our Father in Heaven wants us to serve Him, not needing our help, but we give Him joy by spreading His gospel, by showing the love of His blessed Son, Jesus. I was not serving my dad because I wanted to gain anything by it or that he owed me anything. It's quite the contrary. I owe him much. But how much more do I owe to God which I could never repay, but Christ paid for me upon the cross? Our urgency should be so great that we cannot contain the wanting to jump at any opportunity to bring God glory and honor by serving and presenting the love of Jesus. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. You know, if you have a friend or anyone in your family, even someone that doesn't like you, and they've done something to hurt you, part of serving is to forgive. When Jesus was on that cross, serving all of us with His life, He said, Forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. 1 John 3, 17-18 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Part of serving is to truly forgive and let go, to be kind and to love. A servant of Jesus Christ is a total servant, not a fake show pony seeking you know, their own exaltation. And I want to show you how Christ addressed unfaithful servants harshly. Turn to Matthew 23. This is very important because he's, he's speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, but it applies to any servant. Because these were supposedly to be the servants of God for the people of Israel. Matthew 23, 1 through 28. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say, 
and they do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to, is to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. I would say Jesus was getting angry here. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Christians, take note. Jesus Christ does not like fake Christians. And Jesus Christ does not like true Christians doing things for their own purpose. You know, if you're saved and not doing good works for God, but for false gain, then they're nothing. And they're going to be burnt up at the beam of seat of Christ. Paul's pretty extensive about that. You know, if you're not saved by Christ, then all of your works that you are doing, seeking favor to earn something from God or to earn your salvation, that will be the evidence by which you are judged when you stand before the great white throne. You know, Ephesians 6, 7, and 8 says, Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. 
You know, that's the problem with many Christians, false religions and false converts. They're doing works, trying to lift themselves up, trying to lift themselves up to God, trying to earn salvation, you know, or, or buy a fabricated salvation, or they're trying to get respect from men, just as the scribes and Pharisees. You know, when you're truly serving God with the heart-like quality of His Son, His Holy Spirit is lifted up to help you function in a manner that will honor the Father in heaven. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to behave like Christians. Turn to Romans 12. Romans 12, 9 through 21, please. Romans 12, 9 through 21 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are to serve with obedience and meekness before the Lord. Pushing ourselves down to lift up and provide for the needs of others. Selfishness is sinful. And it brings no glory to God because it focuses on what we want and not what others need. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know, if we love as Christ loved, then serving others should come easy. But it doesn't. Why not? Because the toughest challenge to becoming a servant is that we have to die to ourselves. And that can't be accomplished by our own power or discernment. God, through His mercy and abundant grace, has provided Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and Scripture to allow a believer to mature spiritually. God's supply is more than abundant. Psalm 119.125 says, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. The issue of dying to self is a believer's willingness to rely on God's plan to become a fruitful and faithful servant of Christ. We are a new creation. Conformed to the image of Christ. To grow, we have to focus on Jesus, the perfect servant. We learn to love because He is love. So when we learn true love, we learn who He is. 
1 Corinthians 13, 8-13 says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Now abide in faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love's always the sticking point, isn't it? The Holy Spirit will work in us a Christ-centeredness that comes from the inside out. And as that inward growth progresses, a believer will react more and more in a Christ-like manner to life situations and personal relationships. Luke 17, 5-10, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what our duty is to do. Now Henry said that whatever we do in the service of Christ we must be very humble and not imagine that we can merit any favor at his hand. God does not gain by our services and therefore cannot be made a debtor by them. He has no need of us, nor can our services make any addition to his perfections. It becomes us, therefore, to call ourselves unprofitable servants, but to call his service a profitable service, for God is happy without us, but we are undone without him. There's also a different type of serving that can uh, be bad, even, even as Christians. Luke 10, 38-42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. It's great to serve, you guys, but if that service sacrifices your walk with God, that's a problem. You know, you need to regather yourself and maybe drop a few things if you're overextending yourself. You can't let these become an obsession or an obligation. Basically, being a busybody can take you away from God, not bring you closer to Him. Doing things can become an idol if the focus is solely on what you are doing and not why and who you are doing them for. If you do not want to do it or don't feel like doing it, then stop doing it. It's okay to tell people no. Seek God's perfect will and do what He wants you to do, not what other people want you to do. 1 Peter 4.10 says, 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If you're doing everything except using the gifts that God gave you, then what purpose does that serve God? You don't have to do it all. We are one body of believers and we all need to share the load and help carry the weight of other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's our job to notice that. That if our brother and sister is struggling or doing too much, we need to take some of that load off of them. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are all called to serve the lost. We have to share what we have and to offer them the gift of our beautiful Savior. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Paul's not saying here we should live and do things like others do. That doesn't give us a free excuse to go live like heathens. But what he's saying is that we use their situations and their life choices to present the gospel to them as a means by which they can understand it. Use their situations. Use their life choices. Use the things in their lives to present the gospel so that they can see what it means. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are called to give our God-given gifts, talents, time, and money, but only give them with a pure heart and pure intentions. Luke 21, 1-4 says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. She gave all that she had out of love for God because she trusted God. It's not about money with God. It's about your intentions. It's not about your time with God. It's about your intentions. Everything is about your motive. She knew that God was there for her. In man's eyes, her small work was nothing, but to the Lord it was a beautiful precious stone to be rewarded greatly in heaven. She may have assumed you know, that she was meaningless to the other people, that no one saw the paltry offering, or if they did, they probably shook their head at her. She probably felt they may be looking on me with shame, but she didn't care because in a human perspective, that's what they would see. But from Jesus' perspective, God saw it and proclaimed that her offering was greater than all the others. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And we have to remember that our works, all of our works are accounted for. Hebrews 13, it says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. How many times have uh, God's angels sat in the pews of this church, and how were they accepted? You guys have seen a lot of people come and go that never came back. How do we know that the, you know, those weren't God's angels? Did they come in? Did they feel accepted? Did they feel out of place? 
Did they take their report back to Christ? Speaking of this church and how it was functioning, did they give a good report and say, Lord, this church is functioning well for your kingdom? Titus 3.14 says, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need not be unfruitful. The greatest service that you can give to mankind that truly honors Jesus is to do as he, as he says in Matthew 28.19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest service we can do for God, is bring others to Him. When you serve Christ with a pure and unselfish heart, you build up treasures for yourself in heaven. God does not need your good works or deeds or words, but he is pleased in rewarding you for them because you do them to bring glory and honor to him. Joshua 22.5 says, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And we know Christ will return for his faithful servants at any time. And as good servants, we must be ready. And I'll finish here. Luke 12, 37 through 39 says, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had not known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Now if you're not a servant of his, please give your life to him. You know, he could come today, at this moment. We have to be ready. Do not delay because your life and your eternity depend on it. Just call upon the name of Jesus. Repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you and let the Lord be the Lord of your life and you will be saved.